Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Our text of Scripture, the transfiguration of Christ from Luke chapter 9, listen for God's word for you. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and transcendent God, we come before you this morning. We ask that by the power of your grace, you would wipe the sleep from our eyes and unstop our ears that we might see you and hear your word. For we pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, great moments only come occasionally in life. Only once in a while do we have those great moments that are defining and life-changing. But we all need them. Imagine that time you first made a team that you wanted to belong to, or remember when you received that college acceptance letter, or maybe graduation day became a turning point for you, or the day you became engaged, or Maybe it was the birth of a child. Such moments give deep meaning to our lives. And some moments only happen once, but they change everything. I mean, Columbus only had to sail across the Atlantic on one occasion to open up a whole new world. Charles Lindbergh only had to fly across the Atlantic once, and everything changed. And the first time the astronaut Neil Armstrong stepped onto the surface of the moon, planetary exploration was different. Such moments come to us in different ways when all of a sudden the future is very present and reality kind of floods into our reality. Who could really stand too many of those moments in life? We don't need more than just a moment to change us. So think 
in your own life of a moment that really changed you. Peter, James, and John describe what's indescribable, a transforming moment in their lives when Jesus was transfigured before them. Our text today tells the story of a joyful mountaintop experience for the disciples where the sacred became mysteriously real and very tangible. And for a brief moment, they saw things clearly. However, the bumbling disciples didn't know what to do or what to say. So Peter starts spouting off, as he normally does, something about building tabernacles until he's silenced by a voice from heaven that says, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. The word transfigured in the Greek is a word familiar to all of us from our biological studies. It's the word metamorphosis. We learned about insects and plants that change from their embryonic development from an immature form to an adult form in the course of maturing. The story of the transfiguration reminds us that there's a changed form, a kind of metamorphosis of our understanding of Jesus that's essential to faith and ministry. Wherever that word is used in the Bible, it's always used in the passive sense. Even in the story of the transfiguration of Jesus, it's not something we can do to or for ourselves. We can allow it to happen. We can perhaps resist it, but the initiative clearly comes from God, just as it does in our act of baptisms. So the disciples are forced to see their Lord in a whole new kind of light, revealed in this cloud of unknowing. And the story reveals what later Paul would write about, that Jesus is the ultimate revelation and representation of God. He's the image of the invisible God. Jesus discloses God through a human face. Listen to him, says this voice from heaven. So once in their lives, three men saw the glory of God loose and around Jesus. And in a flash, they saw what that meant for the world. They suddenly knew that God is not some distant deity up in heaven. They suddenly knew that everything is not right with the world. They knew that God is loose in the world where all hell is breaking loose. They trembled to try and get a hold of what that meant. And it only lasted for a moment. It was a glimpse of the future of a future that had not yet come fully. And they had to go back down that mountain to the valley where there was the sick to deal with and disputes among the followers of Jesus to settle and lots of work to be done. This weekend, sadly, we've seen the tragedy of hatred unleashed in Pittsburgh. 
in the community of Squirrel Hill. It's actually the community where Mr. Rogers lived. A Jewish community center gathered on their day of worship at the Tree of Life synagogue when a gunman and all hell broke loose. Our hearts and prayers do go out for those who've suffered loss and death at the hands of a deranged gunman. And our faith communities need to stand together against such hatred. There is a reality in this life, and occasionally we get a glimpse of what is to come. Peter wanted to fix that moment. He wanted it in concrete. He wanted to box it in, but he couldn't, and neither can we. Glimpses like that of a better future come and go. God once in a while just kind of pulls back the curtain between today and eternity, and you only get a peek of it. And when you catch a glimpse on some mountaintop or maybe here in a pew on Sunday in worship, cherish it. Don't try to capture it. Don't try to commemorate it. It comes as a gift, a glimpse, a fleeting, blessed gift of revelation. Don't forget those moments, but don't try to freeze them either. The problem is life in the valley just doesn't seem to go away. And yet, still, I can go to work on Monday morning just a little different because of what I've glimpsed. Because for one shining moment, I've seen something. The curtain between the present and the future gets pulled back just a little, and we know the future as if it were now. It seems to me on the mountain, we're in danger of believing too much. And here in the valley, we're often in danger of believing too little. It was 150 years ago that young Hattie Mae Wyatt turned a city upside down. She lived near a church where she attended Sunday school one day. And the pastor, Reverend Russell Conwell, saw Hattie walking back home because there wasn't enough space for her in the class in her Sunday school. So when he approached her, she asked if he would take her offering to church for her. The pastor, of course, took her right back to church and made sure that they found a seat in that classroom for her, and it thrilled young Hattie. Within two years of her visit to that church in her neighborhood, Hattie became very ill and died, and her parents called the Reverend Conwell, who had befriended their daughter, just to help with the funeral arrangements. And as they were going through Hattie's things, they found a crumpled little purse, and inside was found 57 cents and a note scribbled in her handwriting which said, this is to help build the little church bigger so more children can go to Sunday school. 
For two years, she had saved for that offering. And of course, 150 years ago, 57 cents was worth a lot more than it is today. But it still wasn't much. So the pastor carried that note back to the church, and the next Sunday he challenged the church to raise enough money to build a larger building. And those 57 pennies were sold. And a house nearby was purchased, and the Sunday school program began to grow. And some of the members of that church formed the Wyatt Might Society, which was dedicated to making Hattie's 57 cents grow as much as possible to buy even more property so that the church could expand. And this generous spirit of giving began to move through the people attending that church. Their commitment to education led to the first classes of Temple College being held in that house, bought with the money from Hattie's initial offering. The house was later sold in the first building of Temple University in the heart of Philadelphia was built, the city of brotherly love. 35,000 students are trained there, and on the campus there's now a medical school and a hospital that cares for those in need. And the Temple Baptist Church has a sanctuary now that seats 3,300 worshipers. All of this set in motion because of the gift of a young girl who wanted to make sure all children had a place to go to Sunday school. See, big things grow from small seeds. Faith and ministry may begin passively like it did for Peter, James, and John on that mountain but it never remains there as a passive undertaking. It moves actively into the valley below where we live and where we can make a difference in small and large ways. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And I think I see what shook them up. Fear of the Lord is one way of saying I suddenly live in a moral universe and it simply will not tolerate some things because God exists in that moral universe. A society that puts its glory ahead of its goodness begins to unravel because God exists in that moral universe. A church that simply affirms the values of the culture in which it lives is on the way to oblivion because God is in this world. And a life that loses confidence in its highest ideals will destroy itself by the lowest level we come to expect because God is in this world. It's not because God is mean or vindictive, but because God is just too good to let people think they can do anything they want to do. This is my son. Listen to him. Will I listen to him when life begins closing in and I go into those dark moments of eclipse? Everything shouts despair in life. 
Will I listen then for the voice of the one who was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief? When I am on top of the world, will I listen then? When life is going along great, when I've got things under control, will I listen then? That seems to be the question in the air this morning. This is my son. You've caught a glimpse of his glory. Now will you listen to him? I think many of us in worship today can say that coming to worship makes a big difference in our lives. It's not a retreat into a mystical world or an escape into a fantasy world. We withdraw into worship upon this mountain in order to return to the valley. And we may return from worship to an unchanged world. But we ourselves are changed. Because we've seen the Lord. We've heard a voice. And we now know we don't need to be afraid. Big things come from small seeds. Great visions come from surprising places. Thanks be to God. Amen.